1: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All
2: right, where is recording? Okay. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes.
1: I'm Kate. All friend. right. Oh, yeah, I know.
3: No. For now, anyway. I'd like to welcome you to Spiritual Home. As a client of Spiritual Home, you've already shown that you're someone with an enlightened aura. Someone better, like me. So, I'd like to suggest that you also support Dum at patreon.com. If you do, you can get their extra content. It's the actual meaningful stuff, not the usual drivel. It doesn't matter how much you sponsor them for. I think they're pretty desperate, to be honest. Okay? Patreon.com. And obviously, if you ever need a vaginal steaming, you know (laughs) where I am. Blessings.
4: Dumpty 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 dumpty
5: dumpty 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 Dum dumpty
4: You know what? You know when something's a genius when you've heard it a thousand times over and you still titter. Well done. Friend. I know,
6: I know. It's the way she says it, "steaming." That's what makes me <laughs> laugh every time. Steaming.
4: I just think it's just the phrase "steaming" as well. I think you, <laughs> an old gambler, did a great job there. But folks, this is Dumby Dum, the show about the reality doctor drama that has entered an ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the wholesome nutritious pregnancy meal. That is Royfield Brown, and with me, I have the Fray Bentos pie. That is. Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Jenny, darlings, overfeeding folks is you. Now, this week's Dumby- Dum is, again, the Academic Archers, because we've had, like, a full stop on dumby Dums, Lucy. Have we? Mmm. I haven't had a fresh one other than the Academic Arts are sending us two versions of the same thing in, ooh, possibly since the new year. And I don't think I'm exaggerating.
6: Right. Get cracking then, chaps.
4: Mmm. Right. So, Lucy... Yep. If the great dum-de-dum listening public want to pull their fingers out and send us a dum-de-dum, how can they do that?
6: If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, leave us a plot prediction, or think that a pineapple can assuage grief, then call us on 0203-0313105, <laughs> oh, oh. or leave us a message on Speakpipe. Thank you to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs, Shambridge for her voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and to Derek, of course, for the loan in the back bedroom. Uh, Derek has kept up his snow clearing. They're quite a lot in Ambridge. Auntie Cardboard had a good six inches round the back. <laughs>
4: I was just on on the phone to me, dad, like literally just before we started recording. And he said that he went to church on Sunday and he said, son, I was going to do a West Indian accent, but I won't. Right. He said, son, in all my born years of being in England, I've never known it to be so cold. But he said, he said only seven people turned up to church. And, And my mom and dad were the only two people that didn't have a job to do. So, like, you know, the projectionist came, the organist, the vicar, obviously, and the only two randoms were my mum and dad, but there were was, 17. Was 17- <laughs> well, anyway. That means they're
6: going to heaven and the rest are not. There
4: we go. Mm. But then he said that it's incredibly balmy today. See, like a summer's day today. Yeah, it- it's really warm. God.
6: It's bit, yes, it's all gone mad. It's, it's it's like the weather's gone, Oops. Uh, sorry. Yep, no, that was. I don't know what happened with the snow there. That was a bit of a. Just forget that. Move on. We're going straight into spring now. Spring, 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 and that's <laughs> it. That's what now. Yes.
4: Well, it was a tiny bit nips here last week in in um, Northern California, but other than that, it's been glorious as always. Oh, shut up. <laughs> on this week's episode, we hear calls from Jacqueline Berto, Miss Mid City. Oh, she's back. Oh, I love yes. her. Um, Witherspoon, Catherine Roan Jones. Valerie Bayliss, Vicky Cole, oh my Vicky, Cosmo, and Dudley. I can't wait for the Vicky, the Vicky Cole email. Uh, but first, <laughs> before the caller in before the email are in let's brace ourselves. It's the best bit of the show. It's Lucy V. Freeman's Week in Ambridge. Oh Christ, I do this every time. <laughs> I'll wind myself up and then I forget to do this. Oh, God. And then it's too low. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> right.
6: We began the week at Grange Farm, where the massed ranks of the Grundys were acclimatising to Nick's passing in their own idiosyncratic ways. Joe led ponies round and round the village, Ed climbed a ladder, Clary chopped fruit, and Will announced that he didn't want to eat stupid soup. Wise move, Will. The last thing you need is more stupid. Lots of people came and bought things. I had no idea people bringing other people fruit baskets was still something people did. But Justin turned up with one from Underwood's Food Hall, one would presume, rather than some baggy satsumas from the bottom of the Dower House fruit bowl. I'm going to miss Nick terribly, said Alan. I'll have to do that bloody nativity next year for a start. <laughs> Jennifer <laughs> is having a lovely time stropping about. She's basically... Well, she's burst. 40 years of hedging, making excuses and living in denial have finally pushed her over the edge and she's blaming Brian for everything from the fall of Rome to the bloody bunting. And Brian is slinking around like a kicked sheepdog. He did try and make excuses. There was a time in the 70s, Jennifer, when I was heavily overextended and everything had dried up, he said, and Jennifer said, That's <laughs> not what and <Nathan laughs> said in that loose box.
5: <laughs>
6: Neil is looking for a new home for his pigs. Don't worry, Neil, a new house you've never heard of will unexpectedly come free. Alice is still being weird but sadly no one cares why if anyone can summon up the energy to give a toss it's because Alice has been contaminated by the TCP and the smell is driving everyone out of Price Bowman. in a distressing scene we heard Roy and Lexi getting it on before their dinner at Toxic Farm or trying to Lexi has come up with an excuse so brilliant for not having sex with Roy that she should nail it to the village notice board for use by any other unfortunates who may find themselves at the mercy of Roy's affections I cannot have sex with you because I am waiting to be gifted with another man's sperm. I can't say <laughs> fairer than that. Oh, said Roy. <laughs> no, she said firmly. We have to be more creative and sensual. You put on a little apron and go in the bathroom and, yes, said Roy excitedly, give the grouting a good going over and I will sit here with my feet up watching Holby City. Kate's in it. (laughs) Once he'd got the grouting sparkling, they set off for Toxic Farm. It was something of an awkward evening in my view. Now, I don't go to that many dinner parties, not like every week or anything, but I have been to a few and normally you start off by asking people how the job's going, commenting on how nice the food is or whatever. I don't remember ever any asking anyone how their sperm was looking. It's just not come up. Anyway, Jennifer gave everyone the rundown on Adam's Little Swimmers with the air of a proud mother commenting on her son's A-level results while everyone choked on their starters. Do you think I've oversalted the mushroom soup? asked Jennifer. The whole new meaning of the phrase come dine with me. Roy was not enjoying himself at all. Jennifer was as sympathetic as only she knows how to be. Oh dear, are you not enjoying that salmon, Roy? Would you prefer something more working class? I'm sure I could rustle you up a finder's crispy pancake. <laughs> The BL board wanted Brian to talk to them about the contamination, and Brian desperately wanted to keep it quiet. But Adam got wind of it and started running around excitedly. Why don't I do a present to the? But bo- why don't I do a presentation to the board? I've got really good sperm. No, no, Adam, go on, please. No, please. I won't do music or the cartoon figures this time. Over at Brookfield, Pip is sorting out the new milking parlour. She wants herringbone, parquet flooring, double glazing, ensuite bathrooms and Wi-Fi throughout. Then she got bored and said to Ruth, no, actually you do it. I'm going to be too busy for cows because I'll be playing with the new calf. No, not calf, kitten. You know, whatever it is, that thing I'm having, pink, piglet. No, baby, baby. I'll be too busy <laughs> teaching the baby to jump or whatever it is that they do. Toby is still determined to get Pip airborne. Come on, Pip, it's the worst weather for a decade. The beast from the east and storm, Emma. Let's get you up there. With his customary sensitivity, he was impervious to the mood of the village and sounded perky as anything, considering one of his co-workers at the ball had unexpectedly died. He tried to persuade Rex to take on the wieners. I can't possibly do that, Rex said indignantly. Not with my busy business enterprise of doing sweet Fanny Adams. What kind of an entrepreneur (laughs) rejects new business because it might interfere with his running, for crying out loud? And finally back to Toxic Farm, where Brian's little world is collapsing round his ears. Brian came in to eat lunch and found he had turkey feet and chips while Jenny Darling was preparing <laughs> pate de foie gras with whale's eggs for Lexi. Well, Lexi is carrying first-class sperm, Brian, and quite frankly, it's a long time since yours has been up to snuff. Jennifer has Brian in a stranglehold over whether or not she's going to reveal the fact that he knew all about the TCP dumping. He's sounding increasingly hysterical while she's whisking around the kitchen singing, maybe, maybe not. Tell you what, Brian. Tell Rory. He won't tell anyone. Not until he's 17, and before he does, he'll have to introduce himself to everyone anyway. By that time, you can be sunning yourself on the Riviera with Mandy Beesborough, a pot of Viagra in one hand and a copy of a two-week out-of-date Borchester Echo in the other, telling everyone who'll listen how you once nearly became Borchester Businessman of the Year. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. The end.
4: Oh, that was a triumph this week. That was deliciously (laughs) naughty. Well done. Well done, you Freeman. (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, just before we crack on with, yes. the, with the meat and potatoes uh, or the fragrant yeah. us pie pie um, yeah. of this week's uh, show, since yes. when, as Will, lived at Greenwood Cottage, wasn't it number one, The Green?
6: No, number one, The Green is the house that he also owns. Huh. His Greenwood Cottage is Nick's name for Casa, you know, he called it Casa Nuevo.
4: Ah. Uh... When he lived there with oh, Emma, it, it was Casa Nuevo. It was Emma, wasn't it? Emma that named it that. When he was living with, yeah, that, Emma
6: and Will called it called it Casa Nuevo Then mm. they left, and then and then and then Emma left, and then Nick moved in. But she wanted to change its name, and she wanted to call it Greenwood Cottage. But number one, the green is the house that he bought with the money from his inheritance from his aunt. Was it no? His godmother? No, no, it wasn't his godmother. It was that. No, it was an aunt that died, and she gave Will lots of money and Ed and nothing. Ed.
4: Yeah, but what did he get from Caroline? Caroline, sorry,
6: Caroline um, gave
4: him something. Did she give him a cottage? Or I, I'm confused.
6: She gave him. She gave him some money in the inheritance, but she gave Ed some money in the inheritance as well.
7: No, uh, no, no. But I don't know. He,
4: but he had. I thought that Caroline gave, because she, she was his godmother, She, yes, she died and Will was upset that Ed also got money. But before that, didn't she give Will a cottage? No. Are you sure? This is a cosmo yes. and a dusty thing. Carol, Caroline gave Will something substantial. And I thought it was the cottage, and then he became a gamekeeper, and then had another one. Hence, he rents out the other, rents out the other one. That's the way I thought it went.
6: Mm, I, well, I do not. I take issue with you there, Royfield. But we'll have to wait for Cosmo
4: All to right, confirm. Yeah. There's a lot, lot of Cosmo action really on this show at the moment. Right, so uh, Lucy. Yes. Um, thoughts and feelings before uh, we go to the gate caller in a, uh on the last week's dumb, oh, dumb.
6: Loving, loving, loving the Aldriches.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, Brian on the back foot. Uh, Jenny just absolutely smashing taking, to just, just, yeah, just smashing him in the nuts repeatedly with a cricket <laughs> bat for f- forty years of betrayal and everything else, and she's just. You know, but you do sort of think, Jenny. You put up, you turned a blind eye to God knows what because it suited you, and now he's been caught. All of a sudden, you know, your Mrs. Moral High Ground, and that's mm-hmm. not so good. Um, I'm finding the Will stuff quite hard to listen to, um, and especially when he had to go at Joe. I really didn't like that. Um, but you know, Will's quite difficult to listen to anyway because he's an ass. Um uh, but I, and it's quite difficult, I think, for because like because Pip we had a scene with Pip, like two seconds after they were all talking about Nick dying. We had a scene with Pip and she was remarkably breezy and fine and everything, and I thought, mm. ooh, somebody's taken this very lightly, and then thought it's so hard to sound convincingly in mourning. It's hard enough to, to know how to respond to somebody who's very recently suffered a bereavement when you meet them in real life, but how to act that, act that awkwardness is really really hard.
8: Mm. No, because
6: I- one minute Ed, Eddie sounded quite breezy, and the next minute he sounded really low, and Clary sort of sounded on the verge of tears, and then she sounded fine. But you know,
4: I suppose it is like that. No, no, listen, absolutely, and and I suppose the older you get, and this the more kind of stoic you are about it because you've seen it happen before, you know, it's still a shock, yeah. it's still horrible, Yeah. but you know, yeah. as I forget who said it, you know, you just have to put one foot in front of the other and uh, yeah. keep going on. But, you know, definitely with all the foreshadowing, we kind of understand that um, what the fight in the ball Um, Nick dancing with Joe was to make it to make everybody feel guilty you know yeah even more than normal because Nick Grundy was a weird kind of semi-peripheral character wasn't she yeah she she wouldn't really ever drive any storylines she's just kind of this chirpy overly nice kind of voice that kind of drifted in and drifted out Mm. you know Almost like a counterpoint to Will. He's just a malevolent, evil voice that drifts in and drifts out. But he doesn't really do an awful lot. But, uh, but I must admit, I, I actually thought there would have been more people in the village just saying crumbs. What's happened there wasn't that terrible. It yeah, (laughs) there was a lot of shock. No, no. like everyone just everyone seemed remarkably
6: accepting. Oh, she died. Oh dear.
4: You know, if it was yeah. if it was Peggy Woolley, fair enough. You know, well, she's 92, yeah. she's, good. she's out yeah. of time. But, you know, yeah. not at whatever age Nick was supposed to have been, you know, late 30s no. or something, you know. But, but yeah, because I hadn't listened to The Archers for however long. Um, I hadn't listened to it from Nick's death until, oh, I don't know, let's say Wednesday, Thursday, literally a week. So I sent out a little yeah. tweet saying, you know, I'm going to have to, like, get me Kleenex. And uh, ne- next to my iPhone whilst I'm listening to listening to the podcast. And everybody on Twitter said no. They it's been remarkably yeah. B- little. Business as usual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> C- carry on with the lambing, you know, it's a yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I agree with you. I'm I'm loving the Aldridge dynamic and yeah. the whole conundrum dilemma, do the tell the kids, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah. Um but I, I was touched, I'm touched by, by Joe and the actor's face, yeah. Joe, whose name I forget, but you will now remind me.
6: Edward something, I can't remember he's who.
4: He's knocking the ball out of the park. He really is. Yeah. And, and, and the yeah. little chat with Tony, with Neil, um, you know, absolutely brilliant, really touching. And you, you felt the old whole, the whole codger's pain. So, um, you know, stand up, do one of these. I haven't done this in a long time. No, really, really, really touching. Right. Uh shall we do some calls now? Yeah. Alright then.
3: Hello, Ambridge 3962.
4: Who's first, Lucy?
7: Uh Jacqueline Berto.
4: Alright then. Here is Miss Berto.
7: Hi, it's Jacqueline Berto from Sanguan. Here in France, I'm about to go off and finish packing my bags because tomorrow me, Mr B and Emily are going to New York. In fact, we're going to New Haven in Connecticut first. But from next Wednesday, the 7th of March, we're going to be in New York just until Friday. We've got three nights there. Uh, And the lovely Lonnie, our Witherspoon, has um, organised, set a date and a time Uh, for us to have a New York get-together so at least I can see one other dumpty Tummer. And so I wanted to make sure that everybody who's in the New York area knows that we're meeting at 7.30 next Wednesday, the 7th of March, But I don't know where and um, I've sent messages to Witherspoon (laughs) to find out where. So I'm sure he'll add to this. He'll add something on the website. Um, But I'm looking forward to going. I'm overexcited because I'm going to see my daughter for the first time since last Easter. So um, carry on the good work with uh, uh, Dumpty Dum. Bye.
4: Wow, that was not so much there. Well, about I don't think archers. we need to make any
6: comment. <laughs> <laughs> she has just made us all incredibly jealous, though, so that's good.
5: Um, right, yes, have a lovely time, Marvelous. Should we do Miss Mid City now?
4: <laughs> yes, let's.
5: Hello, it's Miss Mid City. Just thinking about what's happened in the arches recently, and I'm reminded of what Victor Lewis Smith said about the Beatles dying in the wrong order it's occurred to me that maybe the Grim Reaper's been knocking yes. on the wrong door in Ambridge, taking out Mark instead of Shula, Greg instead of Helen, That's Nigel hard. instead of Elizabeth, That's hard for Granny Grim. Heather instead of Ruth, for example, and now Nick instead of Will. It would be a completely different show if they had uh, got rid of uh, some of those people who I like less. Um, actually I didn't like Nick particularly but it's really mean to say I know but I'd rather Will had gone (laughs) instead of her. I'm kind of thinking about my own personal experience of grief which is really limited but when I observe people who've suffered really serious horrible damaging loss around me I'm used to grief being much more operatic and I'm surprised that It seems really muted and low-key in Ambridge. Everyone's really stoic about it, apart from Will, who's imploding. So I thought it would all be ratcheted up a few volts because of the injustice and the suddenness of Nick's demise. And I was all prepared to find that Will was a a much-changed man after his bereavement. I didn't expect to find him to be changed for the worse, thought he'd be softened and somehow I'd feel sorry for him and start to like him or warm to him. Not a chance. Um, I'm interested to see if the two children that are not his biologically remain in his care, because that would be Mm. uh, be, uh, unusual. He doesn't have parental responsibility for them and has no rights over them.
4: Oh, that sounds like the end.
5: Yeah.
4: Right. Uh, You didn't sign off. Miss Mid City, but I do like her little smiley face on the website. You know. (laughs) So I
6: think I I think what?
4: Sorry, carry on. No, I'm just going to say, and I know I did say this uh, talking all the way over your call. That is very harsh to say you'd prefer that Helen died over Greg (laughs) because he was an evil, messed up, dysfunctional. No, 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 no. Rob. No, she said she means Greg. No, she's yeah, Greg wasn't evil. Greg was horrid. What are you talking about? He was jealous. Greg
5: committed suicide.
4: Yes, he was jealous. He was vengeful. He was controlling. Not to the extent that Rob was, admittedly. He had this horrible way he used to talk about his ex-wife, Lucy. You, got, Yeah. You're not, come on. I, Greg was... Tony didn't... Nobody liked Greg. Remember?
6: No, I've forgotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he maybe maybe um,
4: he wasn't quite. Rob related. set everyone
6: into relief now, <laughs> so I can't remember what.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
6: Who was nice and who was nasty? Um, I do like when Miss Mid City said that about. I know it's a bit mean to sort of, um, uh, have favourites and think, oh, shame, I wish they died and not that one had died. Mm. But it, it, this is your only opportunity. It's a, this is a valuable function the soap operas fulfil.
4: Ducky Sorry, docu,
6: <laughs> fulfil, which is. You can suddenly have little puppet figures that you can say, "I want you to die," and then they, and then they do. You know, and it's, it's and it's like having a child where they said, and then he died, and then you just go bang and f- throw the doll down on the floor. You know, and it's sort of, um, it gives you that that kind of weird sort of intoxicating sense of power. I mean, we're only the bloody listeners. Imagine what it's like with the scriptwriters to sort of have that feeling of, I don't like you and I hope you die. Then they do die. And then you think, good. You don't have any kind of um, uh, guilt feelings about, oh dear, I should have been nice. I wish I hadn't thought that about them or whatever. Because you just think, didn't like them, dead, good. That's
4: it. Funny you should say that. I'm going to reveal something now. I've always thought it a bit odd that New York Nigel was so bitchy about Jennifer. He hates her. And I thought, you're a vicar, man. You should have a bit more charity about you. But you're right. Because it's not real, it just allows you just like, all those kind of... And imagine how many Jennifers
6: that New York Nigel has to put up
2: with. (laughs)
6: <laughs> and this is his chance to just go, I don't like her, I hate her, I hope she dies. And then if she does die, nobody gets hurt because it's not real. So you know.
4: To be fair, is it Jennifer that he hates he hates Jennifer and, and Schuler, isn't it? He can't stand the yeah.
2: hair of them. But, yeah. <laughs> Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Robert, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Now, I understand that those of you in the UK were both celebrating and cowering from a few inches of snow this week. Meanwhile, on Friday in central New York State, the residents there received 36 inches of the white stuff. Life goes on, and life goes on for the Grundy family, and I'm going to place myself squarely in the minority and come to the defense of will or at least show some sympathy toward the fellow whom we all don't like. As we listen to his range of affect this week, which did seem limited to anger, first at himself and then at others, <laughs> we have to remember that he lost his young wife, someone he deeply loved, suddenly and dramatically. We can hearken to the paradigm of Elizabeth kubler rosss five stages of grief, Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally, acceptance. In fact, we understand that these stages do not occur in a neat and orderly line, especially after a sudden and unexpected death. If I were in Will's position, I think I would have taken to bed for a good long time. And what seemed missing this past week was the pure depression of his loss. But Will's lashing out in anger was a representation of both denial and anger. Look, Will is not a touchy-feely guy, and he very much sees the world through black and white lenses. He feels so very much that if he were present at Nick's final moments, he would have eased her journey to the other side. I think we'll see Will go through his own journey of grief, including depression, and that he'll at some point apologize to the people he's lashed out at. Will's procession to acceptance and hopefully to being a better person could be a special journey that the archers take us on. But I'm an optimist. Talk to you all soon.
4: Mm. I don't know, you know. I, I don't <laughs> know whether we're going to see the whole journey that that will go through. I've got a sneaky feeling that in a cu- couple of weeks, it's all going to be kind of forgotten about, which is somewhat sad because um, I think the character of Nick, who's played by... Uh, becky Wright was somewhat underserved and i think she's somewhat more complex than um than the writers really have, have written her which is a good segue plug for me to say she's coming on dumpty dum so Yay! if you are a patreon supporter of this podcast you will get an extra podcast this week uh, where i speak to the lovely very spunky, very feisty. Not at all like the character that she played on The Archers, Becky Light. Yeah. She is most awesome. Mm. Um, what, is. what else can we I say? Love, I love. I love with the spoon.
6: I love the. Um, I love the idea of Wilgrendy running the gamut of emotions from A to B, <laughs> as somebody once <laughs> said. Um, focusing mostly on anger. Um, you know that wasn't. Yeah, it's. That,
4: that wasn't a hundred percent correct because he did have his moment of semi-reflection when was it not Roy came around Chris came around Chris came around and stuff and he said did you see yeah. it last week and and he was he was softer but with his anger with his family it's pure anger it absolutely yeah. is
6: but he's just playing it over and over and over again because but you know I mean I know from 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 my dad dying I'm not going to start banging on about that again but you do go but when when it's that sudden and his was sudden obviously you 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 go back to the last time you saw them and you think about everything they said and everything that, and you think, what, what, what could I have done? What were the clues? What did I miss? Cause you cannot believe that it just happened hmm. and that there wasn't, any, that you were powerless sort of thing. I think that's a huge issue for people to deal with, particularly somebody like Will, Yeah, I think.
4: No, absolutely.
6: Um, should we do it Catherine Rowan-Jones now? Yes,
4: Please.
8: Hello, good evening, dumpty Dummers worldwide. It's Catherine <laughs> rowan it calling <laughs>
4: from High Wycombe
8: here at 88 Ivy Fox on the Twitters with a voice even rougher than a Badger's arsehole today, <laughs> for which I apologise. <laughs> Two things, having just listened to Sunday's episode, Joe's grief. Oh, dear God, Joe's grief is, is really getting me um it's it's like when lear regains his sanity and finds he has the dead cordelia in his arms and nothing can put it right dear god um edward kelsey can all fucking act (laughs) and on a light note a much lighter note i hear this evening that Adam has kindly offered Lexi a couple of hours drawing the covers over the newly erected polytunnels now if that is not an enormous considered act of horticultural contraception the application (laughs) of a giant condom thwarting the endeavour of procreation then I've been reading too much cold comfort, farm and home self. Thank you for everything you do. I love you all.
4: Good night. Good night. Oh dear. One minute. I think we should play yes. that again, Lucy, and <laughs> just saying, yeah, call, good night" on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll put that back at the uh, on the end. Uh, oh, that that was good. Yeah, Edward, Edward, she's right though.
6: Edward Kelsey as Joe, uh, yeah. Joe Grundy. Thank you for supplying the, the surname there. We couldn't mm-hmm. remember it, Catherine. Um, it, 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 he there, there is Cold Comfort Farm runs all the way through Joe's uh, Joe Grundy, mm-hmm. uh, including his insistence of course. Hello, Shula. Heb. No, he doesn't say hello, Shula Hebden, no, because that's too long. But he, you know, he says hello, Roy Tucker. Hello. He always calls everyone mm-hmm. their surname, and it's like um uh adam and they they always called flora in cold comfort farm they always either called her um cousin flora or um, robert post's child or whatever they knew they would never just call her her name and she she used to say do do please call me flora and they never ever would because there's always this sort of slight formality but there's a there's this sort of formality with a with a real piss take in it as well a really sort of um uh, passive aggressive note, mm. which uh, J- yeah, Joe Grundy has beautifully. I think I never. Uh, yes, and I do like the idea of her of her um, uh, uh, yanking an enormous condom over all the polytunnels. Obviously,
4: <laughs> I didn't read the books. Cold Comfort Farm, right? But do you mm. remember when it came on TV, the adaptation with David yeah. Jason was that yeah. good? Was it authentic?
6: I think you're talking about. The Darling Buds of oh, May. Oh, good
4: heavens. Right, let's move on to emails then, shall we? <laughs> okay.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Literature corner with Royfield Brown. <laughs> Gather round, as well.
4: Royfield completely stuff, gets the guy. wrong end of the stick. I'll just stick yeah. to superheroes.
6: Yeah. You stick to your colouring in and I will do the books.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I've made a proper art of myself then. <laughs>
6: <laughs> um, Valerie Bayliss. I think it's very sad that Will Grundy is such a one-dimensional character, she says. In earlier times, he was much more sympathetic, especially when he was so nice to Emma when she was having an affair with Ed. Now, however, he's just portrayed as a complete misery. Even in bereavement, he is made to be angry all the time, in contrast to Joe, who is shown the more realistic emotion of grief and anger in turns. Now that he's been widowed, surely we should be seeing some light and shade. They even gave him shades of gaslighting before Nick died. Absolutely. I'm also very upset that it's now sepsis lesson learned and get on with it oh my gosh, when my daughter died just a tad older than Nick and with two young boys, the hospital were incredibly helpful with all sorts of advice, particularly regarding their complete involvement and was so supportive to her husband and the rest of the family. Blimey, Valerie, that's awful, awful, awful. I'm very, very sorry. Um, The thing is, I can't imagine Will. if somebody offered Will help, he'd say no, wouldn't he? He'd say, you know, if the hospital offered because that's a really good point. I hadn't even thought of that. They don't just, you know, cut you loose, do they, these days? Um, but uh, I
4: think there's,
6: there is a, there's a wider
4: yeah. point that this is a drama full of contrasting characters, and not everybody's going to react to the same thing in the same way. So I think it's very yeah. realistic for Joe to have a completely different reaction to his... Um, gr- um, in effect, his granddaughter, I don't mean granddaughter in law, if this is such an expression, passing than to Will, because they're different people. Yeah. They're just different people. So yeah. I, I, I think it's slightly unfair to say that um, he's two dimensional. Will, he's, he has this, as you said last week or the week before, he has this love of feudalism. And, and then Witherspoon backed up by saying things are black and white. He's got a very simplistic yeah. view of the world. And he, and he, and there is a ball of anger within him why he has it but he does seem to have got so much more bitter yeah, no a- absolutely absolutely and i as a listener a, a listener of some long standing i don't understand completely where his anger comes from but 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 maybe there is some level of jealousy and i think it's i think might have been telling what he said to nick um after the Argument in the Bull about the fact that Ed and Emma were jealous because of things that they have. And I think it's the other way around. Yes, Emma wants the material things that Will has. There's no question of that. But I think Will sees things in Ed which he doesn't have. The fact that he actually.
6: Yes, definitely. yeah. Yeah. And. Ed's Ed's ability to just get on with somebody, to be philosophical, to not be angry all the time, absolutely. to just kind of
4: absolutely, yeah. And considering that out of all the Grundys, you know, by far financially is the most set up. Yeah, is a is a Grundy of properties. He's got a good job. It goes on and on and on. You'd think he could just just chill out and just be a nice person, but he's not. And 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 I think you've got to. You've mm. got to pat the writers on the head or, or the long-term plotting of the character that he's descended this way. And, and again, and I think I said this last week, I think it's a very clever move that he is a gamekeeper and he has this pent-up rage. And the fact, and the fact that he doesn't deal with people. Generally, what I've found in, in my life is that people who professionally are away from dealing with people are much spikier and difficult and judgmental you know um so i i I think it's unfair what you're saying there, but the story about your own family loss is just just tragic and um you know thought thoughts yeah. thought go out to you, and as yeah. I said last week i I knew nothing about sepsis before all of all of this, and it's kind of shocking the amount of people you realize it has actually touched and affected by you know yep. taken away
6: and I was on the phone to my mum this week, and she said, "Tell Royfield to get a tetanus injection." Because so, he hasn't had enough. You're supposed to have, I think it used to be, you had five injections and then you were covered for life then. You had you had enough in you to, to cope with it. But if you were walking dogs and things like that, you should have
4: it. Oh, crumbs.
6: So go and have it or my mum will have a go at you. And you don't want that.
4: Can I, can I not have. wait till I get back to Britain to have it done on the NHS so it's nice and free? medical tourism we know your sort (laughs)
8: um
6: vicky cole now um said uh i couldn't avoid knowing about poor nick but now i have caught up and i'm feeling very sad it came out of nowhere which i gather is what sepsis does so well done the archers for the public information bit poor will and the children it's going to be hard listening can anyone enlighten me as to what might happen to Mia and jake presumably nick had main custody but the children used to visit their father quite regularly Uh, sending very warm thoughts to all those who shared on the Facebook page and last week stumped them about how how they had been affected by similar situations. Um, Yeah, well, Andrew, Nick's uh, husband, or first partner, I don't know if they were married or not, her first partner, um, uh, he's now got the children, hasn't he? And Clary said, oh, he's doing, he's being really wonderful with them. Um, But then they were returned immediately to Will, which seemed quite odd because they're, not Will's children.
4: Mm.
6: Why would they? Why would he not just keep them?
4: I always got the impression that he that what was his name Andrew. Is it? Yeah. That he didn't. That he was. He didn't have the best relationship. He wasn't yeah, that fussed. Exactly. It's no, you. You got no. there. I was trying to say, it and you got there. So in that way, it would make sense to me that he kind of like bung them back. But after saying that. Will's never been portrayed as having a decent, a particularly overly warm relationship with them either. He, he mentions them.
6: but Yeah, but not as often as he mentions exactly. Georgie.
4: With George, he, mm. it's very clear he has a, a, a warm yeah. relationship with, with his son, but not with those pair. So, yeah. mm. no, uh, no. In, again, looking at the foreshadowing, which, uh, which we had a couple of weeks ago, when he was bouncing the kid's, you know, between various members of, of his family, maybe that's what's going to happen going forward. You know, it's always going to be a mm-hmm. case of mum, can you look after Mia? Can you look after mm-hmm. X and Y and Z and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You
6: know? But he, he's going to actually have to legally get custody for them. And I don't know if he will. You know what? I,
4: I don't know enough enough of this. I would have thought, considering that he was married to to their mother, that, that then there would be. His, I, I no, it goes. I, back, I, no,
6: it doesn't. It goes back to the. It goes back to the birth. But, uh, father, if there's no reason why not, why it shouldn't?
4: Yeah. Hey, hum.
6: Um, Cosmo, who is in Sri Lanka, the git. Enjoying 30 degrees, he says. Um, Dusty Substances is more or less right, he says grudgingly. The (laughs) early crap farmers were the Gabriels, the Larkins were farm workers, not farmers. Suddenly, Eddie was having a tractor race and um, and the conceit was created that there had always been Grundy's in Ambridge. I'm pretty sure they were the creation of the late William Smithhurst, but cannot check references at present. My Susan had died some years before the microphones could detect the Grundy's voices in the village, he said. And... William Smithhurst pops up mm. again uh, from Dudley Butt, um, who has got in touch to say, Re your stats on Right You Are and Hello You Too. The main repeated phrase is fair enough. I wrote to producer William Smithhurst in 1978, asking him if it was a deliberate running joke by the scriptwriters to include fair enough as often as possible, and pointed out that I had spotted what was going on. He sent me a letter of reply which simply said, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and it has continued ever since. An average of four fair enough each omnibus edition. The last time I checked a couple of years ago, it is a running joke by the scriptwriters. I've never noticed fair enough, but I'm going to listen to it now. But
4: I don't know for me that doesn't quite have the same power maybe it did in the 1970s because maybe fair yeah. enough yeah. wasn't such a colloquial phrase back then so so it was somewhat kind of jargon. but people say fair enough all the time so I I, I, yeah. I wouldn't notice that at all. Interestingly all right, now I have mentioned this podcast before but you Lucy would absolutely adore this. Lexicon Valley is um, oh yeah, yeah if you are into the english language so i know before i used to champion and i still do champion the history of english but lexicon valley is done by um, oh god a mr mcquerta forget his first name anyway john there you go he's this brilliant um, african american linguist who can speak more languages than was spoken on the tower of babel and he goes into the entomology of phrases and words, and it's absolutely beautiful. And he's so engaging, Lucy. He's so engaging. So, and and he talks about um, when we ha- when you, you have films like I don't know, um, like historical dramas set in recent history. So we're not talking about like Elizabethan times, but let's say um, Hidden Hidden Figures. So that's the story of the 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 black women that worked for NASA. And he can and he will say they said a phrase in it. And I'm going to say fair enough for the sake of argument, though, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't have said that. And he will said, but that is incorrect because that phrase only came about in 1975. And he just talks in a most engaging and beautiful way about how words and phrases change and how we think because we hear them all the time that they've been around forever. And one of the most mm. engaging ones, which I heard just a couple of weeks ago, was him talking about the N word. And as a person of colour, and because we are talking about it, I'll just say the word nigger, and and then um, and then how that is very similar to girl and gal, and how um, a gal is not a girl, and uh, and um, a fella and a fellow. And whatever and how
9: you know these mm. words
4: are fund fundamental started off the same, but because of the, the way you pronounce it have uh, different connotations. So a nigger is bad, and that's what a white person mm. says about a black person beauty geography, but a nigger is means brother, mm. you are my nigger. And it just it's the most right. fascinating podcast, it's absolutely brilliant. Lexicon Valley, please go listen to it. It's just, and he's and he's beautiful and engaging. And he just has a conversation with you on that microphone. And he goes up and down and roundabouts and he giggles. And he just like, you know, shines light somewhere. <laughs> it's just gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. So please, Lexington Valley, go listen to it. Um, So I got a call from Julie Hervey who said, I went to see... It's about Black Panther, by the way, folks. I went to Zip with my husband because I'm always interested in your movie and TV recommendations. Loved the crown on Dumpty Dum. Interesting, po- interesting politically and refreshing to have an almost entirely black cast. Unfortunately, there was too much violence for me. And in the end, I had to leave early. There was a really small child in there watching that shocked me and was crying in the middle of it. I love and appreciate your enthusiastic reviews of movies and TV, but would have appreciated a heads up on the violence aspect. It rather gave the message to me that violence solves everything. So I'm a bit surprised, aside from the political aspects, that you loved it so much. Keep giving us your reviews, though. I love to hear them from a fellow British expat and listener of the great dum Um Thank you for the email, Julie. It has to be said that I did kind of, take a step back after getting your email to me i love superhero movies and almost well not almost integral to that is some level of conflict though these things are rated generally pg-13 which means that it's kind of you know there's no graphic portrayals of of violence, Yes, it happens people get punched or zapped with a laser beam, but you don't see heads flying off and blood splattering everywhere because that's a different PG rating. So for me, I must be, I'm somewhat blind to it, but you are correct that there are at least two instances within the film, the two times when T'Challa has been challenged to become the king, where the violence is actually bordering on another rating and uh, definitely where Eric Killmonger in the second challenge um, that is a very visceral fight. You do believe that the, these are two people who are punching each other and um, and, you, and, you, and you feel the impact of those punches as opposed to let's say Captain America taking down a whole load of baddies while slinging his shield type of thing. Um, I think we are somewhat immune to violence on screen and i will hold my hand up to that because um outside of watching it on the big screen i'm definitely a a pacifist you know um i'm a lover not a fighter so to speak but um sorry that you didn't enjoy it sorry that you thought it was a little bit too much because one of the geniuses of one of the genius things about the black panther is the fact that it is properly multi-layered in terms of the messages that it sends so it sends out a message about family it sends out a message about belonging it also sends out a very powerful message to to black people about the about their own worth and about their potential and that's what I actually I think vibranium actually is and then you have a villain an antagonist shall we say who is probably one of the most compelling and understandable characters, I would say, in in definitely modern movie history, but arguably is up there with uh, the canons of uh, Western literature. I- I'd go so far as to say that, because he has been dealt a whole set of wrong cards for no other reason than um, the, the, the supposed crime of his father, was uh, judiciously or not dealt with by uh, by his uncle. You know, his father his father was killed. And then the whole set of circumstances then um, runs on from there. So in terms of a compelling antagonist, you've got it there. You've got intrabat politics, um, African-Americans and how they view Africans and vice versa. Um, you've got uh, the... The place of the oppressed, etc. I, I think you know there are lots of really clever messages, and then apart from that, it's just a beautiful thing actually to behold. Sorry that you didn't enjoy it. And I, the one thing I would say is that the message of the film isn't that violence um, solves everything, because arguably, there's no arguably about it. Um, T'Challa, the Black Panther, comes round almost to the view. Of, uh, of Eric, of Eric Killmonger, but without the worldwide revolution. So he does want to. He does end up giving the technology to the world, or at least offering it to the world. So um, violence wasn't the answer. Actually, he saw the power of, of Eric's argument, but would just want to do it in a very different way. But anyway, Julie, thank you for your email, and maybe you can go and listen to Lexicon Valley because it's awesome. But Luce, yes shall we quickly have an ad break uh so we come back the other side after some adverts uh because you've got a walkie-talkie coming up soon haven't you i have Ooh, right so there's an advert for your walkie-talkie which is coming up soon millie bell and then me with my stuff at the other side
2: (laughs) ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices
4: listening to this podcast you're most probably listening through a pair of headphones which means i have the perfect sponsor with the perfect product for you it's studio and they want to revolutionize the way people see headphones generally fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and the high-tech ones are bulky and not design orientated studio bridge that gap while emphasizing sleek modern scandinavian design to get a 15 percent discount on any of their wares go to Studiosweden.com, which is spelled S U D I O Sweden.com, and simply put in the code D T D when purchasing a pair of headphones.
6: Hi, this is Lucy, and you're listening to Walkie Talkie. Every day, I walk my dog in and around Epping Forest, and there's a regular group of dog walkers that uh, catch up with each other and The group of us, you know, we're from all kinds of different backgrounds. The one thing we have in common is that we all have dogs, obviously. And I sort of came up with the idea of recording these conversations because there's something quite confessional about walking side by side with somebody. There's no eye contact. You can just plod along. You know the names of their dog. You quite often don't know their name. You definitely don't know their surname. And uh, it's just a very odd little hour out of the day and you can get some really startling insights into people's lives because they know that you don't have a relationship with them outside of the dog and also if things get a bit you know emotional or a bit too close you can distract yourself with whatever the dog's doing or you get quite close to people in a remote way it's an intriguing sort of mixture with people's permission obviously I started recording some of the conversations and it sort of grew and now people ask if they can come on the walk even though they don't have a dog because i think they just like the space to talk
3: so this is walkie talkie i hope you enjoy it and i'll see you in the forest good day everyone we started off our week with a question about whether joe will disclose what he knows we know that he's um, holding to his chest uh, a secret claire mansell said i love this community it helps me get so much more out of the archers. I listened to the episode and convinced myself that Nick's dying words were, kiss me, which Joe followed with, no, you're confused, you don't know what you're saying. Nick having said it because she knew she was going to die. Will wasn't there and she wanted to have a last bit of affection. Ah, but now I realise this was just a subplot that existed only in my head. Joanne Smith said, As much as I want a resolution to Matt's hit and run, I really can't believe that Nick is the sort of person who could nearly kill him, then act perfectly normally for months afterwards. Sigh maybe she found the church money hidden under George's mattress. Dan Lord said completely missed the last words uh last words bit of Friday's episode. Nick was saying she'd been bad and done wrong. Confession to Joe, that makes Joe's village wandering around and cough conversations make a bit more sense so what does he know and Liz Villaloba said he will but through some clumsiness on his part as an amateur amateur sleuth tell me Kenton Archer how was Matt Crawford injured (laughs) Um, and we also discussed whether we anticipate any other repercussions from Brian's rather short-sighted decision many years ago and Neri Elizabeth said, is there one big boss in the family corporation? If so, Brian may be out and Adam in. Mm, That's very possible. Uh, We also thought that Chris was lovely with William um, through the week and it was so hard to know what to say or do. And William is obsessing at the moment, which makes it harder. And Chris also dealt with Alice really well. But Rona's scheme pointed out that Chris's constant encouraging her to drink is a bit odd either he hasn't noticed she's got a problem or he has and he doesn't mind either way he's not dealing with her very well Mm, that is actually really interesting Um, a number of people are saying that he might be enabling her drinking and Mark Everden would like us to know that he always thinks Chris is lovely and we told him he had to behave himself uh we also had um a discussion about that very very strange episode where it seemed like a carry-on uh movie a bit like a 1970 sitcom and it didn't quite hit the mark i didn't think um every time jennifer spoke i was hearing kenneth williams repeating what she was saying and there was a range of opinions on it mike hatton said it definitely seemed somewhat incongruous particularly so after the somber nature of the previous few episodes i was surprised that nick's death wasn't mentioned from the thought of Roy in his underwear to Jennifer enthusing over her fifty odd year old son's deposits, not something I want to think about as I drift off to sleep tonight. And Leslie Greaves said, Everyday story of country folk, women discussing her son's sperm with his surrogate and her partner. Creepy. Um, Peter Mabbett said that was an appallingly bad episode, was just waiting for an oo misses from Adam to make it complete. It was complete bollocks. Actually, Peter, I thought it was complete bollocks as well. Um, Nicholas Nitzel said, Occasionally the artists do comedy. It is relentlessly mirthless, and that's part of its charm. And Robin Cotty said, Nope, no enjoyment here. I usually listen more than once, but not this time. Tom Collins said, Oh my goodness, I felt like I was listening to Margot Ledbetter or an Alan Akebourne comedy. And there was lots more in that vein. I think it just didn't hit the mark for some of us aficionados. We also discussed the new career option for Toby and the general consensus is that this would probably be a better career option for Rex, but we now know, of course, that he's turned that down. And there was a lot of discussion about the way William was treating Joe during the week. We understand that William's hurting, but poor Joe. And I'm pretty sure that um, Witherspoon will cover that in his uh, roundup. But Nary Elizabeth said, Generally, Joe annoys me, but my heart breaks for him especially his bravery in recent days so it's been a bit of an up and down week on facebook uh, it's gone very quiet on the forum so please jump over there and have a chat with purple pumpkin who would like to talk about will um, and uh, of course stay and talk to me with the spoon and sometimes yokel bear on facebook Where have happy to talk to you on whichever forum you like so until next week i would like to say to you
4: hooroo Thank you for that, Miss Bell. That was uh, tip top. Uh, Lucy, hashtag Mm -hmm. the Archers tweets of the last seven days, please. Uh,
6: The first one is from Kerry Warbiss, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday, Kerry Warbiss. If you don't follow Kerry, you probably should do because she is very, very funny about the Archers. Um, She says, hashtag Nick's last words. The bunting is in my attic. (laughs) 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 Uh, The Ambridge Observer. Had Brian saying, "Family is everything to me," which is why I had two at one stage. <laughs> Andy D. <laughs> Make the tea said, "I don't know what the hell is the, the 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 context was for this, but it made me laugh." It takes nine months to grow a baby, but only six in a polytunnel. <laughs>
5: yes, uh,
6: Steve Brooks thirteen said, "Is Georgie upset because he won't be able to dip into Nick's purse anymore?" Uh, and Beak Moo tweet of the week. Hashtag the Archers. Wouldn't it be brilliant if Will's head really did explode, especially if he was standing next to Shula at the time? (laughs) 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 He's lost his wife,
4: for the love of God. Oh folks dumb, com. go there it's got shops. it's got all sorts it's got tractor you can pin yourself to a map of yeah. the world the great yeah. expanse of the world stop i ain't finished right great expanse <laughs> of the world and you can see if another dum listener lives nearby because we've got like listeners in romania we've got them in vietnam we've got them in cambodia pin yourself to the map folks on dumb, com. also you can go back listen to back um back Uh, catalogue shows of dum dum and you can do other things besides oh and you can go look at character counts now it's in red
6: if you would like to help keep our little show on the road there are two ways this can be done you can donate by hitting the donate button on
4: the site or you can sponsor us via patreon.com and remember if you do sponsor us via patreon.com you get an extra show uh this week That'd be awesome. Remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website, which is called com. You can call us on 0203 Put a plus four, four, knock off the first zero. Um, if you are outside of the United Kingdom, how long will it still be united for? With these border issues in Ireland? I don't know. I don't know at all. No politics, Roy Field. On social media specifically, <laughs> you can call me where I'm at. <laughs> you can call me. yourself as you go <laughs> along. <laughs> Fill in your own irritated
6: listener emails.
4: <laughs> Sorry if you're, if you're definitely a Brexiteer, but you are on the wrong side of history here. Anyway, um, on Twitter, you can find me and Lucy where we are, at dum dum Lucy's at...
6: Uh, Lucy V Freeman.
4: And I can be found at Royfield on Facebook. Mm, Sorry, Lucy.
6: No, I was just going to say that as Robert has managed to make it through an entire three weeks without falling off anything, breaking anything, uh, fracturing anything or cutting himself open on anything, he will be back next week.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello?